welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. So we're going to be in verse 3 this morning. We're continuing our series called 23, and we've been looking at the 23rd Psalm together, which is a Psalm of David, and primarily we've been doing that through the lens of three different resources, and one, of course, is the Scripture, of course. We love God's Word. We'll talk about that in this morning's talk, and also we've been using a couple other resources. One is uh, a book written by an actual shepherd named Philip Keller, and it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's a wonderful little book that was written years ago that I just know many of you are reading along as we journey the series together and are just finding a lot of life in that. And the other book is written by Dallas Willard. Of course, Dallas Willard, just a wonderful theologian and thinker and um, spiritual formation guy, uh, a book that he had written before he passed called A Life Without Lack. And I know that others of you are journeying that book as well. You guys have come up to me and just been like, man, that Willard book is out of this world. And I'm like, yeah, it's so, so good, isn't it? So um, those are the resources for those of you who are readers and would like to read along with the series. And today we come across... Um, the second part of verse 3, which is all about guidance. It's all about guidance. We just simply read that um, God guides David, he says, in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we all need, regardless of who we are or where we've been in our lives or where we're at in our lives or where we think we're going in our lives, we all, every single person here, we need guidance. We need guidance. We don't do well without guidance. Could we agree on that? We don't do well when we're not led. And the paradox of this is that we always try to do it without being guided or without being led, and we always think that we can do it without being led. What's interesting, we're not going to get too deep and theological this morning. You'll see it here in a second. But I just found it so interesting. The, the Hebrew word for path that David uses is magal. The mem there at the beginning, the letter M, is like um, a symbol of like a cow. And it comes from the word for cart, which is agala. And it refers to the rut that's carved into the ground from a heavy wagon or a person's footprints. It's the track left behind on a journey that reflects the kind of person who was there and where they chose to go. And so as you read that on the screen, I just want you to set the whole context of what we're going to say in that framework. That we're following, when David says paths of righteousness, he's talking about a groove, a cut in the ground that we're to track with Jesus in his footprints as we follow him in this journey. So set it in that context. And in that, there's so much of a relational, intimate language. And that's where it gets really practical. There's an offer on the table this morning, and the offer is one from a shepherd who guides us. He's like, hey, who needs guidance out there this morning? I'm offering you guidance this morning. That's what the Lord is saying through David, is that he guides in the context 
of relationships. So the goal this morning, whenever you hear people like talk about like Jesus led me here or God led me here or the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, a lot of times I'm like, I don't know if this is just me or if this is you guys as well, but a lot of times it's like, how do you do that? Like, God spoke to you? Like, it's like in this super spiritual kind of context, Jesus led me. What does that even mean, that Jesus is guiding you? So the goal here this morning is to kind of demystify the whole process of being guided. How are we to be guided? And the first thing that we need to understand is that it's in the context of relationship. Jesus says in John 27, when he speaks of himself as the good shepherd, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I know them. And they follow me. I know them. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's going to be difficult for Christ to guide you. Right? If you have this kind of like on-again, off-again relationship with Christ, it's going to be difficult for Christ to guide you in your life. If you have this kind of relationship with Christ that's like, you know, I go to church, I throw a couple of dollars in, I serve the poor here and there at Christmas time, it's going to be difficult for Christ to guide you. You might say, man, that's that's a really high bar. Well, relationships are hard work. (laughs) Grace is easy. Grace is free. Grace costs Jesus everything. Discipleship, following Jesus in the context of relationship requires effort because relationships are hard work. Those of you, anybody in relationships right now? (laughs) Whose relationship is super easy? Zero hit, one, one hand in the room. Bless you, yeah. James, you're up, go ahead. (laughs) So relationships are tough work And this is where Jesus guides. He's the good shepherd, he says of himself. He always guides in the context of relationship. He also guides incrementally. And this is to be heard, it's like he guides incrementally, C.1, which is that he guides relationally. We always want God to guide us exponentially, but he never leads like that. He never guides exponentially. He always leads incrementally. He always leads step by step. Why does he do that? Little by little. Left foot, right foot. Why does he do that? I think it's because that God knows everything about where you've been, where you are, where we're going. And he knows that it's like, if it was like an instant download of everything all at the same time, we wouldn't be able to live We wouldn't be able to, like, handle all of that information, all of that coding, all of that structure and what it takes to, like, live a life that's walked out in the paths of righteousness. So he leads little by little, and he guides us this way, and it's for our good. It's for our good. That's why it's faith. Now, am I saying that God can't just show up and explode onto the scene and this is and this bursts of fireworks and the M83 soundtrack playing in the background, and like, those, those over 30 are like, M83, what are you, is that a firework? What is that? 
It's, it's, a, it's a dreamy, fantastic band, and they're amazing, and you should really listen to them. Anyway, um, is he going to do that and just transform our lives all at once in this miraculous burst of energy and give you everything? No. Another, another way to put does it happen? Yes. I've seen it happen. But for the majority of us, it's not like that, is it? It's like one step at a time. In other words, you're not going to receive tomorrow via FedEx a blueprint for your journey for the next 20 years from God. It's just not going to happen. The FedEx guy is not showing up tomorrow. Guaranteed. Dang it. It's step by step. It's little by little. Left foot, right foot. The phrase leap of faith. You heard that one? Leap of faith, commonly used in Christian evangelical circles. I just had to take a, a leap of faith. I just, had to, I just had to jump out of the boat, we say. Got to jump out of the boat like Peter did. Got to get out of there. I don't want to be in the boat. I got to get, get out of the boat. Leap of faith. I'm taking a leap of faith. And, you know, I probably use the term myself many a times. But did you know that this phrase is actually unscriptural? God leads us in steps, not leaps. It's incremental, not exponential. We're not frogs. We're humans. <laughs> humans walk, not jump. Walking with Jesus. Walking with Jesus. In Proverbs 16:9, we read, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can make all the plans we want about what our future is going to look like. But the Lord, he's the one who determines our steps. He guides us in the context of relationship, foundational. He guides us incrementally, and he guides us through his word. He guides us through his word. If you're looking for guidance, anybody looking for guidance this morning on anything? Yeah, tons of hands going up. Everybody's looking for guidance. You'll have it in proportion to how much you are in the Word. You'll have it in proportion to how much you are in the Word. This continual interaction. David says in other places in the Psalms, it's like this continuous meditation, this ongoing conversation, this engagement with God's Word, with the Scriptures. This is where God speaks to us predominantly. Somebody comes to you and says, I've heard, I got a word from God for you. That thing should be underlining what scripture says. And if it's not, say, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, and run far away. Because it should underline what God is saying in his word. Now, where does the spirit come into play in this? Where does the spirit come into play in this? I believe that, like, the word sets the direction. Like, this is the course, yes? This is where we're headed. God says, we're going this way. And in the end, Jesus wins. And then it's the spirit that sets the prompting and the remembrance throughout the day. Come on, go this way. Walk in this way. Don't go that way, go this way. So it's the word and the spirit in tandem with one another. And he guides us through his, through his word even on the days you don't need big decisions made. That's the mark of discipleship. That's the mark that you are being formed by the potter, that you are being led by the shepherd, 
is even when you don't have a big decision that you have to make, like, should I take this job or should I not take that job? Or should I be in this relationship or should I not be in this relationship? Even when you have, like, zero big decisions, like, it's a boring, normal day at work. You're like, you know, it's Tuesday, zero emails on the inbox, and I've got a coffee. Nothing going on. You don't even need to make copies at the coffee machine. When you need zero big decisions made, even getting guidance in that. Psalm 119.11, Eugene Peterson's message version says it this way, I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs that you've posted. I've banked I love this. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. Be blessed, God. This hiddenness of the word God, memorizing his presence. So when you do need guidance, you remember what it feels like to be led by the voice of God. And we find that in Scripture. Believe that it's more than just words on a page. It's not some old book. But that it's life. It's life. We get life from the pages of Scripture. So we're led through the context of relationship. He guides us incrementally. He guides us through his word. Uh, Fourthly, he guides us in community. This is so big, you guys. He guides us in community. Throw up that, Evan, throw up that picture. Hey, this is my preschool picture. Which one do you think is me? One with all the hair. If you said blue shirt, you'd be wrong. You guys, it's like a perfect picture of like who I am. Who is everyone looking at and who has amazing red pants on? Come on, amazing red pants. Yeah, that's me. That's preschool Eben. Breaking away from the group. I'm running away, actually. I'm not sitting. I'm running away from the rest of the people. I love people. I'm running away from the rest of the people because I'm doing my own thing. (laughs) Four on the Enneagram. The rugged individualist. (laughs) Doing it my own way. My, my dad always said, Evan, you like to learn things the hard way. You actually, like, enjoy it, don't you? <laughs> I'm like, no. He knew me well. Yeah, the shepherd leads a flock, not a sheep. The shepherd leads a flock, not a sheep. You know, in the parable of the lost sheep, there are a hundred sheep. And one of the sheep gets lost. One of the sheep wanders off and gets stuck in a rock somewhere. And the good shepherd is like, where's that one sheep? I know that sheep. Edward. Edward was here. And then that sheep just wandered off. Where did Edward go? I got to find him. I care about Edward. And so he, want, he goes, the good shepherd goes and finds it, listens for the sheep, sees the sheep, finds the sheep, takes his crook maybe of his staff and removes the leg of the sheep from the rock and cares for the sheep and picks it up and lays it on his shoulder 
and then the story ends. No, the story does not end there. What does he do with the sheep once he finds the sheep? He brings the sheep back to the flock. Brings the sheep back to the flock. Now for some of you, if you're like me in preschool, if you hear the phrase, hey, stay together, stay in the group, for you, you're like, get me away from the group. If someone says that to me, I'm like, get me out of this group as soon as possible, as soon as humanly possible. Others of you, rule followers, ones on the Enneagram, you may be like, hey, where's the group going? I need to be in the group. This is what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd finds the lost sheep and brings it back to the group and then says to the sheep, stay in the group. Stay with the flock because the shepherd leads the flock, not the sheep. Yeah, the good shepherd says stay in the flock because we are the people of God. The people of God. It's not like the person of God. We, the people of God. And once you find your flock, this is why small groups, this is why groups are so important. Oh my gosh, you guys. I had the greatest Mexican meal last night at supper group. We have this small group at the church that Evan and Angela Hammersmith lead. And there's a group of like six or of us or so in it. I don't know how many people. And it was just wonderful to eat the food. Yeah, the food is wonderful. And I said the exact opposite last week. The food was wonderful, but it's the community. It's the relationships that are formed there. And if you are not in a group, if you are not in a small group, and I realize there's steps, and we want to help you take steps to get there, but you're missing out. I don't want to play on your FOMO. I don't want to play on FOMO of like, man, I'm missing out on a group. But this is where real life is formed. If you get into a group, of a small group of people, and really do life with those people, if your son is in the hospital, you want somebody to reach out to and say, hey, can you pray for my son? If you're in a bind at work, you need people around you. That's the way that we are. We're not lions or eagles were sheep and we get lost and we wander off from the group and God has built the church to be a community the people of God doing life sharing life in an authentic way together so we want to encourage you this year find your flock within the flock find your flock find your people because it will change your life you don't know. If you're not in small group, you don't know how much life you're missing out on. The good and the bad shared together. But that's the thing. It's shared together. Here's what it looks like, hypothetically. Hypothetically, the word of Jesus says X, right? And you have this decision to make, and you need guidance. The word says X. And if you're walking with the Spirit, that's Y. I have this sense. The word is saying this. And I have this sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me Y. Community is the Z part of the equation. 
So, a powerful question. I'm not talking about community like the people that you, after you drop your kids off from school, you go have like coffee and gossip about other people. I'm not talking about like, you know, Sharon from like 30 years ago who you like message on Facebook, right? Or like the superficial relationships that are enjoyed on social media. I'm talking about like real life community, authentic community. That's the Z part of the equation. And so the word says this, I have a sense that the spirit is speaking into that decision. And then the powerful question, which can only come from a Jesus following group of people is, what do you think? What do you, th- what do you think I should do? What do you think about it? And asking it in a way, because we can ask that question and still get away with, like, I already know what I'm going to do. But it is community after all, so what do you think? No, literally like, uh, like an explorer. What do you think? And then opening your ears and listening to what community would say into that decision. And a lot of us, if we're honest with one another this morning, don't want to do that. We don't want to let people in. We don't want to be vulnerable with one another. And it's understandable because you get burned a couple times and you don't want to go back there. I don't want to be vulnerable. I know what happened last time. But you know what the reality is? Is that nine times out of ten, it's that one time, right, that stings you. You made yourself vulnerable and you said, well, what do you think? And the person said, I think you should do this or whatever. And you ended up doing it. And then it hurts you rather than helps you or what you perceive to uh, hurt you rather than help you. And you're like, I'm never going back there. I'm never going to open my life to community again. And I can understand that hurt. That's all of us. That's all of us in the room with a heartbeat. But the challenge this morning is to open again. Open again. Open your life again. Open your life to Jesus. Yeah. Open your life to community. That's where we find Jesus. That's where we find his guidance. That's where we find his guidance is in community. Guidance comes clearer to you in the context of us. I don't think I said that one clear enough. Maybe I'll say it like three more times. Guidance comes clear to you, to me. Guidance comes clear to me in the context of we. Guidance comes clear to you in the guidance of us. Clarity comes through authentic Jesus followers speaking into your life. I'm thinking about this job. I'm thinking about this relationship. What do you think? What do you think? Together, we go there together, to get there, together, to get there. John 10, 16, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock. That's the goal. Jesus, from the lips of Jesus, one flock, one shepherd. And lastly, he guides for his glory. He guides for his glory God guides best when there's a higher vision than just me. God guides, I don't think we get this one. But it's a game changer, you guys. 
when we get our hearts and our heads wrapped around the truth and the reality that God guides best when there's a higher vision than just me, it will change our lives. It'll change the life of our church. Yeah, sure. God is for what's best for you. And a lot of times when we come into um, relationship with Jesus, this is where we stop. Yes, God wants to bless you. God wants to make you happy. He does. He does. He loves you so much. He wants to see you happy. He wants to see you thriving in your gifts. He wants to see you working out of a place of vision and out of a place of Sabbath and rest and refreshing your soul. These are words of life in Psalm 23, not words of death. God does want to make you happy. Sure he does. How many of you parents are just out to get your kids and teach them a lesson all the time, 24-7? Just want to make them walk in the right way. No, you love to see your kids happy, don't you? And if we say that God is our father, but the faith that we live out is devoid of any sort of happiness or joy, and the difference between those I know are nuanced. But is that really the father's heart? Yeah, he wants to see you living from a place of joy. But a lot of times we just stop right there. Yeah, God, what's best for me? Give me your guidance. God, what's best for me? A mark of formation a mark of true discipleship is when we begin to move beyond this prayer of God, yes, do what's best for me, please. And we move into the realm of, yeah, God, do what's best for me, but also do what's gonna bring you the most glory. The second half of that verse is that he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. But this is a scary prayer for us to pray, isn't it? Because many times God will lead us for his glory into places that we don't want to go. Out of his design? Maybe. But is it going to give him the most glory? If it does, yeah, God, take me that way. Jesus, take me that way. God guides best when there's a higher vision than just me. He's for your good, and he's for his glory. He wants all these things for us. He wants the um, quiet waters. He wants the green pastures. He wants to, a, a table before us. He wants us to live with goodness and mercy, as we sang this morning. And he also wants to bring us into a place where he gets the most glory. And he may put us in situations that we don't necessarily love right away, because that position will bring him more glory than if we were to choose the one that we think is best for us. And some of you might be sitting there this morning like, oh, I don't want a God like that. <laughs> I don't, like, who wants a God like that? Trust me, you need a God like that. I need a God like that who will, yes, even lead me to places that I don't really feel like going at the time because he knows what's going to give him 
the most glory and at the same time, simultaneously, what's for my good, for our good, for my good, and what's going to bring him the most glory. And he holds those together in just such a beautiful way. And that's coincidentally why we love baptism. As Billy was talking about baptism this morning, that's why we love baptism. Because it's explaining a narrative. And the story is of the good in the person's life, yes. But it's mainly and also about giving glory to the one who brought the good into that person's life. No one applauds the sheep when they come back to the fold. They're not like, good job, sheep. You you made it. Yay. No, they're like, shepherd of the year. Bam, he's amazing. Yes, celebrate the person who's in the baptismal tub. Look at the good. It's not like a result of their parents' decision for them. They're making a decision on their own to follow Jesus. That's good. It's not because they were so clever that they figured out that like, hey, I need to follow Jesus now because I've made a wreck of my life or whatever. It's not that. It's like, look how great God is. That he could take someone like that and show off his glory to the world. And bring more fame and more glory and more honor to the name of Jesus. That's what it's about. It's not only for the good of the person, but it's for God's glory. That's why we love baptism. And when we get that, our lives change. So, as we close, do you know him? If it starts with relationship, do you know him? Do you trust him? In John 14, 23, Jesus says this. If anyone really loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. You know, we've, we've been seeing folks respond to the gospel increasingly so here at the church. And I know that some of you are seeing that in your lives. Just listen to to a wonderful story last night of a woman who um, has a job as a massage therapist and just like just has amazing encounters with people who like need the Lord, who need Jesus in their lives, and gets to like engage with them and engage in the story of God and these people's lives in like a real and authentic way. And so I know that that's happening outside of the context of like here on Sunday morning, that the kingdom is going forward, that you are like engaging, Vineyard Cleveland, you are engaging. When we've seen folks come to Christ here, or I've been um, in, in my life like leading people to Christ and leading people to Jesus, and they make that commitment, and they say, yeah, I wanna follow Jesus. There's a couple of things that I like um, come alongside them in and the first thing is like, listen, and I think it's just because of how deep like the gospel got in, into me, and there's still more room to go deeper into me, um, but I'm like, listen, like, the good news of Jesus, like, saving us, 
is that he's not just like some accessory to our lives, like an eye watch or something, but, but he's at the center. Make Jesus the center of your life and you'll get guidance. You'll get him, you'll get his presence. You see, here we are again, back at presence. You'll get his presence. And then I say to them, I say, just say yes to Jesus in everything. Just say yes to him. Whatever he asks you to do, just say yes. Keep on saying yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Get in the habit early of saying yes to God. Just keep on saying yes to him. Keep on saying yes. Don't give up. Keep on saying yes. The cool thing about Jesus is that even sometimes when we don't say yes, he still guides us. Gosh, but can you imagine your journey, my journey, if we just said yes to him all the time? And what that would look like? If you just kept on saying yes to Jesus. 